Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Hey guys, and welcome to The Doctor's Companion, episode 35, 36, 36, 36, 36. episode 36, and uh, I'm I'm Scott, and with me, of course, Matt. Hi, how are you guys doing? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about that stuff, like Doctor Who, on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network. We have uh, new episodes released Monday through Fridays. Um, shows that include The Doctor's Companion, which you're listening to now and is now weekly. Yay! Woohoo! Uh, Geekin', Geekin' Extra, Queen Witch, Movie Night Geek Show, and uh, there's more uh, podcasts on the way, including the new uh, Geek Show Soundcheck podcast, um, which will be premiering later this month. You can listen to the... You can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. If you don't, if, uh, if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in the Doctor's Companion. All right, Matt, what are we uh, talking about today? Okay, today we are talking about a third Doctor story that's uh, John Pertwee, and it's called Doctor Who and the Silurians, and that's the last time you're going to hear me use that title, because, God, I hate that it's called Doctor Who and the Silurians. Okay, that's the last time. Why um, is it called Doctor Who and the Silurians? Well, it's Why? called Doctor Who and the Silurians. There, I said it again. Um, because it <laughs> uh, back in the day, they used to do uh, these titles where... Um, on the script, they would just say, you know, like there was a Patrick Troughton story called uh, The Moon Base, so they would call it Doctor Who and The Moon Base, um, and they would use that as, like, the title <laughs> going into, like, the, the filming of the episode, and then they would just remove Doctor Who and The before actually um, releasing the episode, um, but for this, they put it on, and then they forgot to take it off, so it went to press like this, and then they were just like, well, crap, we can't change it, and then they stopped the practice of adding Doctor Who and The, um... Which is a really moronic mistake, let's be honest. Um, yeah, wow, that's... Somebody got fired for that, I'm, I'm assuming. I, I don't know, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> maybe, I hope so, because, man, Doctor Who and the Spearhead from Space, that's a stupid title. Let's just call it Spearhead <laughs> from Space instead. Um, Doctor Who and the Spearhead from Space, oh man. I know, how awful would that be? They, they didn't even, did, did they not understand that Doctor Who is, the, is a punchline, not... Not the actual name of the guy, is that? Probably not, because, like, every... Like, if you watch, like, the first four Doctors, every every one is actually called uh, Doctor Who. Like, they say Doctor Who John Pertwee, and it's just like, okay. But I don't know why. I mean, I, I prefer to just be called the Doctor, which Jonathan Nathan Turner learned. But we'll talk about him in a couple weeks. And oh boy, will we talk about Jonathan Nathan Turner? Okay, sorry, we're we're tangenting already. Oh, this is, this <laughs> All right, so, so, so what's, what's the story behind the Silurians? 
Um, well, the last time we left off uh, in our ongoing narrative of the story of Doctor Who, uh, jigsawing and popcorning around, uh, we were talking about Patrick Troughton and the invasion, and it was a unit story, um, and it became the template for um, the Pertwee era, which is a five-year run of stories that center around this uh, Earth-based organization called UNIT, which is the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. It's changed a lot. Like, the acronym has changed a lot since then, but that's basically where it comes from. And the Silurians is the second story to be in this Pertwee era. Um, it comes after the fantastic Robert Holmes story, uh, Spearhead from Space. Uh, we'll talk about Robert Holmes eventually, but man, I... Oh, gosh, I cannot wait to talk about him. Uh, <laughs> probably next week. Um, but, uh... The Silurians is the second story, so really we're still in this this sort of um, zeitgeist or ethos where the Doctor basically, as a result of uh, Troughton's final story, The War Games, gets banished to Earth um, and exiled and not allowed to leave. They sh the Time Lord shut down his TARDIS, and, and the Doctor shacks up with Unit and says, okay, I'll be your scientific advisor, um, and I'll try and fix the TARDIS, but as soon as I can get out of here, I'm out of here. So Pertwee's Doctor becomes this very interesting trapped on Earth. Uh, I heard the term stranded scientist if Patrick Troughton is the cosmic hobo. John Pertwee is the stranded scientist. Um, so that's basically where it comes from. And this is really, I, we're talking about the Silurians because it's, it's a very interesting sort of twist on the alien invasion story, which happens a lot in UNIT. Because, you know, the Doctor's trapped on Earth, so the aliens have to invade. Um, the Silurians is a little bit different, but you still have a lot of unit involvement, and the Doctor working closely with unit, um, and the Brigadier. Oh, man, I loved the Brigadier. Um, so How yeah, can you not love the Brigadier? I don't know. I don't know. It's just <laughs> He just works everything about him. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk more about that. So that's basically where it comes from, and it's written by uh, Malcolm Hulk, who co-wrote... Um, what was it? The War Games, uh, which is, again, one of my favorite stories. Um... And Malcolm Hulk wanted to do something a little bit different because he was just like, an alien invasion, that's going to get old really, really, really fast. So he, instead he decided, well, what if they came from Earth, uh, which is where the Silurian starts. But we'll get into that a little bit more. as we All go. right. Um, so uh, before we get started um, with our, our commentary of the... Uh of the episode. I just want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and this month at InStockTrades.com you can purchase our book of the month Power Girl, A New Beginning by Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Amanda Connor. This book is available for only eleven fifteen, or 38% off the suggested retail price of seventeen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com Alright, so let's, uh, let's, let's pop right into part one of the Silurians. Okay, so in the Silurians, we start in a cave with a bunch of miners um, who are doing this excavation thing because the uh, whatever it doesn't matter. There's really just all that's important is that there's miners, and so they're running around the cave and then they get attacked by something. A wampa. Yeah, yes, I guess it's, it's a wampa. That's I mean that's what that's what it really that especially when the first guy gets swiped down. I was just like Luke just got swiped by a wampa. Like <laughs> that's what it it was like it was almost like shot for shot. I'm like wow. Uh, uh, Ivan, uh, what's what's the guy's name? Ivan Kirshner. Uh, Kirshner, like totally ripped off Doctor Who and the Silurians <laughs> with the Wampa scene. You're just like, hey, that worked that there. Let's just do that. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. So there's this reptilian Wampa. I was gonna call it a dinosaur, but I guess it's a reptilian Wampa. Yeah. I like that more. Reptilian Wampa. There. It hasn't been decided. <laughs> um, so he gets swiped down by a Wampa and he screams, and that's it's a, like a nice little teaser to what's coming up. Um, yeah. Starts with a bang, which yeah. is which is uh, definitely um, 
I mean, it's exciting, and it's it's a it's a precursor to like the the modern era with like the teasers. Right, and I like that. Yeah. I, I think that's really strong because the the, mm-hmm. the classic series doesn't have those those pre-credit sequences. They just have like the like the opening, and then you know they just jump right into the story. Um, but I right. think it, you're right in that it's a totally great sort of opening to that. Um, so then we cut back over to Unit where the doctor's uh, doing some work on his. <laughs> I have, I have a question. What? I have a question. Why is he Scottish when he's under Bessie? Is he Scottish when he's under Bessie? Oh yeah, he has like this really crazy Scottish accent when he's whenever he's talking. He's like one of those dolls, like when you when you lay them down, their eyes shut, and you lay them up, and their eyes open. He has a Scottish accent when he's on his back. Like I don't know huh. what the deal with that is. That's but weird. like it's like he's like real loud, like one of those real loud, aggressive Scottish accents. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a Pertwee sort of thing. <laughs> it's really bizarre. I, now I need to go watch this again, and I kind of don't want to because it's seven parts. Um, <laughs> you really just have to watch the first, you know, five minutes. All right, I'll watch it again. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that after we wa- we talk about this. I'm not going to do that, guys. I'm not. <laughs> um, so so the doctor is working on Bessie, um, and his his companion, whose name is Liz Shaw, comes in, and and she's and she's uh, she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm working on this yellow roadster." Which is one of those really fantastic things, because John Pertwee, when he became the Doctor, was um, he was just like, I don't really know how to do this. Which like, because like, it's it, the Doctor's a weird character to play. Um, and as we talked about like before, like Hartnell like originated the role, and and Troughton brought energy to it. Pertwee's contribution was. Um, he was the guy who was based – someone – I forget who, who came in and told him this, but the guy who first came in and told him this said, uh, just play it like it's yourself. So Pertwee took that to heart. So like really when you're watching The Third Doctor, all you're watching is Pertwee. And he had this really fantastic like obsession with like roadsters and weird crazy vehicles. And so that's where Bessie comes from. Um, so that's that's – that's that's perfectly for you. Um, oh, I guess you know he didn't have a TARDIS, so he had to have something, right? Yeah. Well, you know, even Bessie has like who won as its license plate, which is just okay. Um, uh. I oh I know I know <laughs> I know. Um, so, so we meet Liz, who is um she's a she's a unit scientist, and she's really the companion only for um, Pertwee's first season, and we'll talk a bit more about her later. But she comes in here and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm working on Bessie," and she's like, "That's cute," uh, but we ha- we're summoned. <laughs> We're summoned to go to these caves, and, and the doctor's like, "You want to get in Bessie and go for a drive?" And she's like, "Sure." So they head off. Is that a euphemism? Yeah, I, I hope not. Um, so <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Pertwee. <laughs> Neither would I. Neither if, would if I. If any of if any of the doctors got sexy with any of his with any of his companions, I think it would have been Pertwee. Oh yeah, totally. James Bond. There it is. Yeah, exactly. Totally the James Bond. Plus, he's doctors. got the whole magician thing going on. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, not so much with Joe because it's a completely different dynamic. But with Liz, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't put yeah. past him. Um, so they head I... off to this this this, uh, this factory laboratory. I don't remember what it is, but basically, we're just going to call it the caves or the institution, something like that. Um, the cave institution. The cave institution. I like that. The cave institution. <laughs> not to be confused with the caves of Androzani. Um So the cave institution. Uh, the doctor goes there, and we cut over there to where um, this guy named Doctor Lawrence is talking about. Proton acceleration, uh, this like, proton accelerator that's there, and it's this fantastic science thing. And Doctor Lawrence is this is this big science guy who's kind of a he's kind of a jerk, um, and he's com- completely obsessed with his with his own success, which is I think that's a Malcolm Hall thing, um, and. <laughs> He has a very impressive comb over. Yes, also. it's 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 it, really it's breathtaking. Yeah, honestly. it tells it totally convinces me that he has hair. 
is what it does. It totally yes. convinces me that he has hair. Um, he's not going bald. Um, so there's there's a big argument, and, and they're taught because this is the cave institution. Excuse me, where the miners went, you know, got attacked. So the brigadier's there to investigate, and he's like, "I'm trying to do my job." <laughs> Doctor Lawrence is like, "Stay out of my way." And um, there's this guy named Major Baker who's who likes the close talk with the brigadier. Um, and this guy named Dr. Quinn, and when the doctor arrives, this guy named Dr. Quinn tells the doctor about um, this accident and th these power outages that are happening with this nuclear reactor, um, where, where the power just seems to be draining. And, now, um, I, I, think, I think it was right around this part. Um, now, I've I got to preface this by saying this is, this is my third Pertwee story. Really? Um, my my first being Planet of the Spiders, mm -hmm. um, and then my first being or my second being um, Spearhead from Space. Right. So I feel like I think this is the first time that I've seen Pertwee in his full on magician outfit that yep. he's got going on in this. Cape. Yeah, with the cape and the, and with the Thrills. red background and the, yeah, it's 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 stunning really. But I will have to say that. For a split second, when he was looking for a sonic screwdriver, before he said that that's what he was looking for, I swore he was going to pull a rabbit out. <laughs> like, I was I was just like, is he just going to, like, randomly pull a rabbit out? Just be like, I'm sorry, you guys were boring me. Like, because <laughs> he's just totally not paying attention to what's going on, and he's just, like, <laughs> searching through all of his stuff, and I'm like, please pull a rabbit out, please. Oh, God, that would be so good. <laughs> I don't think he does that, which is so totally unfortunate. But I, he does do magic at a certain point. I won't say when, but he does. I've, I have yeah. seen Pertwee do magic. Oh, phenomenal! Like, cheap, illusionary tricks. It's <laughs> awesome. That's a great story. I um, also love that he. They have to put in the script that he lost his sonic screwdriver because, a court, like they, they were just like, well, if he had it, this would end way sooner than seven episodes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we it's need not... to just pretend he can't find it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. It's probably lost in the folds of the many pockets that doctors always seem to have. Mm -hmm. um... <laughs> or in the yeah. case of Pertwee, his many outfits. He's He could be a G.I. Joe doll. Like, right. Oh, gosh. With all of his outfits. He's got their scientist doctor and magician doctor and minor doctor in and this in this version, series alone. And blue version and... Yeah, well, I love Minor Doctor, but we'll get to him in a second. <laughs> so, so the so the doctor is talking to um is talking to uh Doctor Quinn, and he's like, "What's going on?" And Doctor Quinn's like, "I don't know." And um, the doctor's like, "Well, I want to see um, I want to see I don't want to see what's going. I want to see this guy named Spencer who was attacked in the caves. He managed to get away from this wa lizard wampa attack." And and they're like, "No, you can't see him." And he's like, "I work for Unit." They're like, "Okay, I guess." Um, and they, they go to him and, and they find Spencer drawing on the wall, which I think is kind of weird. Um, they're like, this means that he's prehistoric, which I think just translate to late sixties. That's what they think prehistoric people did is just draw on walls all the time. Um, <laughs> drew, drew on walls and dragged women back to their caves, right? Yeah, no, that's, exactly. that's all they did. Club and, and, women, and rode on the backs of dinosaurs. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. I want, I want, I, every time you have dinosaurs and people riding on the backs, I'm so on board. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah did, so... Is this is this after the extreme close up where it looked like the brigadier and the guy he was talking to were going to start making out? Uh, yes, I think so. Okay, because that I was Baker. just like, what's about to happen? And then they cut away, and I was like, oh, 
All right, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of my funny things about the Brigadier is the Brigadier, like, to me, I think, I, uh, this is probably going to get me in so much trouble, but to me, like, the Brig- Brigadier is, like, a closeted homosexual, like, the first closeted homosexual in Doctor Who. And, like, every time he's close talking, I'm just like, oh, yeah, Brigadier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, you know, he's got the mustache. He's got it all. Like, I, re- I, just, I just think that's him. It's um, just so funny because, like, he got so close to this guy, and it was yeah. so intense, and then the camera zooms really close into the two of them, and I'm just like, what's about to happen? And then it cut away. Yeah, I was, I couldn't, I was just like, what? All yeah. right. This is odd directing choices. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Not the not the last time we'll have some odd directing choices. Um, <laughs> no. So so um the, basically the doctor's seeing this guy named Spencer and Spencer sees the doctor and basically goes and tries to like strangle him and the doctor's like no 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 you don't get to do that. Um, so so the doctor. Oh like, oh this is yeah why is the worker when he's when he's choking the guy like why is he choking and gagging instead of the guy that he's choking like he's like the the, the worker grabs the guy and starts choking him and as he's doing that he's going uh, 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 uh. I think it's because it wasn't in Pertwee's contract to be choking and gagging I think no I, no because well, he wasn't was he attacking Pertwee I, I thought think he was so. attacking yeah. oh I thought he was attacking another guy well regardless like I, I was just like what well, why, why is this what's wrong with this guy <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's Spencer. He's mad. He doesn't really show up again, so it doesn't really matter. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so the doctor realizes that his mind's been regressing, um, and so meanwhile, um, the doctor Quinn talks to his assistant, and I forget. I forget her name, um, but she's kind of important. Uh, Miss. Uh, hold on, it's in my notes somewhere. Miss um, Dawson. 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 Miss Dawson, yeah. his assistant. Um, and there's, it's kind of it's kind of creepy because it's kind of like he knows something and she knows something, but we don't know exactly what, which I think is really interesting because the story is like seven parts, but they can't tell you what's going on right away. So, like, the way that the story kind of releases information, I think, structurally is really interesting. Um, so you kind of have a – you have a mystery between Dr. Quinn and his assistant – and that really runs through like the first like three four episodes, which I think is really really good. Um, anyways, where were we? Okay, so they they try to test the proton accelerator, but there's a problem. Um, there's this guy named Roberts. He's not really all here, and there's a the power starts to fail, and and they try to shut down the reactor, but Roberts loses his mind and starts to strangle like Miss Dawson, and the, and. And I forget exactly how, but he gets pulled off, and the doctor's like, "Oh well, well something's going on here." <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly certain Miss Dawson must have lungs the size of thimbles, but he because he barely grabs her, and she goes down and passes out. <laughs> yeah, she probably gets scared off because she's like, "Doctor Quinn," and, she I think <laughs> and I'm sorry, but every time someone says Doctor Quinn in my mind, I go Medicine Woman. Yes, like. Every oh, single time. And it's, like, totally different because, like, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman is, like, Jane Seymour before she, you know, got all milfy. And, like, I don't know if I can say that. Milfy. And so, like, then, but Dr. Yeah, Quinn. Sure. Cougary might be cougary, more accurate, though. Right. Cougary. Yeah, no, you're right. Cougary. Cougary. That's a weird word. Um, so Dr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, anyways, Dr. Quinn looks like this old guy with, like, white hair and stuff. And I, I just think it's really I, – I, they don't look anything alike, but totally medicine woman. It's there. Yeah, every time somebody would be like, Dr. Quinn, I'd be like, medicine woman? <laughs> <laughs> I just – I couldn't help it. I don't I know. don't think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> so then the doctor realizes that there's something going on in the cave, so he 
puts on his miner outfit, uh, that's M-I-N-E-R, um, which is, like, this tan, beigeish jumpsuit and, like, a miner hat and a red ascot. And, like, the do- this isn't the last time the doctor gets in this outfit, but every time there's the red ascot, and it's just like, really? Did you just... You gotta look. I, not not only is there is there a red ascot, which I was gonna bring this up in the next episode, but since we're already talking about it, we might as well do it now. Mm-hmm. His flashlight matches his ascot, whereas everyone else's flashlight is black on their helmet. His is red because it matches his ascot. <laughs> yeah, it's oh gosh, it's just like it's one of those things where Pertwee is just like I gotta look good. I am fancy. Yeah, <laughs> fancy Pertwee. There you go. Um, I just, I, I, I just really, really love the fact that there could be just like he could be one of those twelve-inch GI Joe dolls yeah. with like a bunch of outfits. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would buy those. That's, oh, absolutely. I would totally That's buy fantastic. those. Fantastic. Because I think, I think Pertwee of all the doctors has like the most variations on his costume, especially because mm-hmm. like David Tennant has like two variations where there's like blue suit and like dark brown suit. And um, then and then there's there's the combo because there's the brown suit with blue stripes. Right. Yeah. Right, so right, there's right. there's that one too. Yeah. But but yeah. Heard we like like there's like his entire like his tenth season is all him in green and stuff and he has blue and red and it's like it's just I don't know. Perdue totally is like more than any other one fits totally in that GI Joe sort of meme. Mm-hmm. Plus <laughs> plus he's the most uh, actiony. Yes. Like he's the most like he he's not necessarily the doctor that sees the most action, but he's the one that chases after it the most. I don't know. I think you're talking about the wrong kind of action because I think he totally sees some kind of action. <laughs> well, um, but, <laughs> but but yeah, no. The the doc, the third doctor constantly gets criticized because he uses like Venusian Aikido, which is like karate, and he'll just judo like, hey, chop. Yeah. From Venus, I think, because Venusian. Um, but yeah, like he's totally the most action, like straight up, like I'm just going to get in the middle of the action sort of thing. Um, that's totally his doctor. So you're, you're, yeah, you're totally right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into the caves and <laughs> the doctor's wearing an ascot and then he gets attacked by this big <laughs> giant fake looking dinosaur and <laughs> get the first of these fantastic like cliffhanger faces where <laughs> Purge we will just like like just stare at something off camera and give like this <gasps> like sort of gasping like yeah <laughs> sort of face and it's this really Pertwee cliffhanger face yeah it's totally and it's not like the last time this sort of thing happens like not even in this episode but like in every other story like where he just has like puts on a crazy face and then they smash to the credits which I think yeah. is really funny um, yeah <laughs> and that's where it ends and I, I think it's really interesting that like the story itself, like especially because we're in part one, it's all about setup, and it's moving really slowly. But I don't like I kind of don't mind because there's a lot that they're setting up in terms of like there's what's going on in the caves, and there's Doctor Quinn, and there's the the Doctor Lawrence angle, and it's just it. I think it's really interesting, and we have some really great moments where um, the Brigadier and the Doctor argue, which I didn't actually mention because I don't remember what they were arguing about, um, but. You have the when I think about the unit era, I always think about the doctor working harmoniously with unit, which he does later. But this is still early in the unit in the unit era, and this story especially is really good because it shows the doctor actually working kind of against unit in a lot of ways. And the brigadier, like, and the doctor don't necessarily have like the nicest of relationships. They have like it's really almost antagonistic relationship throughout the whole story, which I think is really kind of compelling. 
from. Did mm-hmm. you did you notice that, Scott? I don't know if you noticed it. It's, it's weird to notice because like I, you haven't seen that much, but like coming from a lot of Pertwee that I've seen, I think I've seen. A, I, I don't know how much of it. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot about the three doctors. I've seen that too. Oh, have you? So yeah, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen. Yeah. I guess I've seen four Pertwee. I forget yeah. that that's Pertwee technically because yeah. yes, he's in it, but it's like so the three doctors. Yeah, like yeah. Trouton totally steals that <laughs> that episode. Mm-hmm. Um. But but yeah, I, I, I agree about the, the brigadier thing. Um, for um sure. So So anyways, um in part two we have this bit where um the we hear this like high pitch like it's like this electronic sort of sound and it calls off the dinosaur, uh, meaning that the cliffhanger was completely meaningless. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's just like I have in my notes, I'm like, and that is the doctor being attacked by a dinosaur and then I was like part two, and that is the dinosaur roaring and running away from a cowering doctor. Yes. Like, the doctor is just completely cowering, cowering and terrified. And the do- dinosaur's just like, well, you're boring. I'm out of here. Yeah. Because <laughs> this gets called off by this really seductive sound of high-pitched squeaking. Um, yeah. So Yeah, I love that the Silurians... I can't tell if they, they hate it or really like the sound of a squeaky uh, uh, park swing, because that's what that sounds like. I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is because they use they use this sort of call throughout the rest of the story. Because um, mm-hmm. spoilers, the thing that are in the caves are the Silurians, but we don't know that yet, so don't tell anyone. Um, but the, the, it's just called the Silurians. Yeah, no, yeah, no, forget it. Doesn't matter. Although, uh, sidebar, they never really explain where the name comes from. I mean, they say that it's from this like there's an era in human history that's the Silurian era, but the Doctor randomly just starts calling them Silurians, and I think like episode four or something, and it's just and that's the name that sticks. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, um, but yeah. So where were we? Um, the Doctor uh, basically is just like, oh well, that's nice, and then he walks off, and the Brigadier up st- up up in the in the like the I don't know what we're calling this place. It's like. It's not a factory. It's like a research center, lab thing, office, place. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm calling this place. We're just gonna call it the place until I can figure it out. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't place. know what to call this place. What do you think we should call this place? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird because it's like a science place, but it's also like a crazy bureaucracy place, and there's an office and a proton accelerator, and I don't know. We'll just call it the place. Um. Um, so the, doc- the brigadier is really worried, but the doctor shows up, and the doctor's like, "The doctor's like, oh, I went out into the caves, and there was a monster down there." And the brigadier's like, "Right, well, let's go investigate." And um, so they go and investigate, and this this team member, um, who I think is Major Baker, which yeah, it's Major Baker, um, is in the caves, and you have like a bunch of unit, like a, a huge squad of unit people. Including, I think, the Doctor and Liz. The Doctor and Liz are down in the caves at this point, right? I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. The Doctor and Liz and the Brigadier and a couple unit people, including Major Baker, are all in this cave. And this guy named Major Baker sees this weird figure uh, like in, a, in part of the cave. He sees like a shadowy sort of figure. And he's like, what's that? And then just starts shooting at it. Like, like some... I don't know. Have I, have we at this point gotten the the first of of many first person POV 80 slasher film kill shot cam shots yet? I don't yet? think so. Okay, cuz um, th- so. those are later. those are pretty brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Also the Silurians are really out of shape. Yeah. Oh gosh, they they're mouth breathers. Um, <laughs> and they they have head bob. Um so so this guy um this major baker starts shooting at this this weird looking creature. Um, and so he starts shooting at it, but the creature runs away. 
and then he hears the giant lizard wampa brainosaur thing and he turns around and starts screaming and and the doctor and everyone like runs over and is like what's going on but the but the the monster gets uh, gets called off or no i don't think does he get attacked by i don't think he gets attacked by the wampa i think he gets attacked by something that's um by something else which is the small silurian hand um creature hand sorry we don't know it's silurians yet um <laughs> trying not to spoil I think the cat I think the cat's out of the bag at this okay. point okay, so Silurians um <laughs> <laughs> got to keep telling um so the doctor and um and everyone's like that this looks really different this doesn't look like a giant dinosaur so then we get a scene of the doctor and Liz looking into a microscope the first of many um where they're looking at like what this thing might have been but I guess they pull residue off of um off this guy I think they find some blood because the thing got shot and uh, the brig- <laughs> the the brigadier sends his men to look for this creature, but they don't they don't find it, and he calls off the search at nightfall. I don't know why. Um, he's like, it's nightfall, so I guess we're not gonna look for it anymore. Um, which d- doesn't make sense. I mean, you're in some caves. It's not like your night matters to you when you're in some caves. But what whatever. Um, so the doctor um, points out that um, whatever this was. Um, this, this, this creature, it didn't actually kill Major Baker, which I think is a really interesting thing, because as we'll see going through this, the Silurians are very much, until very late in the story, very much not about killing people at all. It's the humans who are really the aggressors all the way through the story, um, up until the very end when there's actually kind of like a mini war between the two of them. But, I don't know, did you notice that? That the doctors very points out a lot that the, the Silurians are, are, are attacking, but primarily in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, it, it helps the sort of, um, like, the theme that's going through the story, which we'll get to, because it's, it's, it makes itself very well known later on. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so we get, we get like, the, the POV 80s slasher cam of this, this creature as it sneaks into a barn, and it, it's got, like, this weird-looking, like, like, triple screen split like if you've ever seen like what it looks like to be a fly how the flies have like all those little like eyes within their giant eye um it's like a three-way split with like the top like little piece thing being like a red piece thing um (laughs) if you saw it you'd know what i was talking about anyways um, so the, the doctor dr quinn um goes home um and um, the, the doctor like goes to ask where Doctor Quinn is, and it turns out that Doctor Quinn went home. But really, Doctor Quinn didn't go home. Doctor Quinn went into the caves, um, where he <laughs> starts like, investigating. And at a certain point, like this is this is why I love classic Doctor Who because it's it doesn't it's not afraid to be really camp. But at a certain point, like he is walking through the caves, and then this red light shines on him, and he hears this like high there's this high pitched like sort of like screamy sound, and then he just like goes into a trance and puts his hands up like he's in like some crazy like surrender trance and starts walking through the caves. Yes, little known fact: heat lamps can be used to control people. I like that. Yes. Didn't know if you knew that, but it's true. Heat yes. lamps can do that. They can also warm your lunch. They do both. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know. That explains McDonald's. Um, so then... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so he. Goes... You don't. You can't see it, but my finger is on my nose right now. <laughs> oh, yes. I just tapped mine. Um, so, <laughs> the Doctor Quinn goes into this like weird-looking room, and he's still in this red light, but he puts his hands down finally, and he. Um, starts talking to this mysterious voice and and he's like he's like well 
what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm here to help you guys. And the, the voice is like, well, one of our people got shot and we need you to bring him back in. And <laughs> Dr. Quinn's like, why should I do that? And the creature's like, well, if you don't do this, we're not going to give you the knowledge we have promised you. And <laughs> Dr. Quinn's like, that wasn't the deal. And the creatures are like, well, that's the way it works. So Dr. Quinn's like, well, crap. And so <laughs> he's like, okay, well, I'll go do this. Um, and the, the mysterious voice gives him this communicator that lets him call out to whatever. Um, and so he leaves again with his hands up because it's, because it's silly. Um, and so, so then, um, they're like, we're also, we're not going to let you leave of your own accord. We're going to make you leave. Yeah. Get out. Um, (laughs) and make you look like a fool. You don't know this, but we're filming this and it's going to be on YouTube later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's going to laugh at you. Behold the magic of the, of the heat lamp. Um, so then, (laughs) So then um, we cut to the next morning and this barn um, where the where this creature uh, managed to like the, the creature managed to get into the barn and like just collapse and we get this this farmer and if, if you've seen like this farmer and his wife oh, and God. if you've seen the story before it spearhead from space like there's also like this this poacher and his wife and then they get involved in the thing which I think is really this funny. is so perfect oh gosh that's just that it's this is just. This is just perfect. Yes. I can't. There's no words. <laughs> like, the farmer's expression when he... Yeah. I just love that he comes in. He, like, angrily attacks the piles of hay with his yeah. pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's just like, ugh, whoa! <laughs> yeah. This farmer comes in and just, like, and starts seeing this... this, this he starts looking at he starts looking at the high and he's like he's like you know pitching pitchforking it off and he sees this weird lizardy hand and he's like oh oh crap and he starts backing off and screaming and and gets like kind of mauled by this creature um and then the the wife calls the cops and um and we get this scene where director lawrence basically walks back or not director dr lawrence calls back to the brigadier and is just like i hate you and the brigadier is like well tough um, the doctor's like, well, no, I'm going to, Dr. Lawrence is like, well, I'm going to file a complaint. And the brigadier's like, I don't care. And then they get word about this, um, this attack at this farmhouse. So they investigate the barn attack and <laughs> they find the dead farmer. And the doctor's like, the doctor's like, see this, this is some clawing. And the, and the brigadier's like, oh, this creature attacked him. And he's like, yes, it attacked him, but it didn't kill him. And the brigadier's <laughs> like, what killed him? And the doctor's like, he was scared to death. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, I put this specifically in my notes because it was a total CSI money shot where he just like you might say, pull in. He died of fear. And he threw on sunglasses and walked out of the barn. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I didn't even notice that, but you're totally right. It totally did that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I noted that uh, the doctor apparently doesn't pull sheets over dead bodies like most people. He tucks them in. Yeah. Like a child. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, examining the farmer, and, like, he totally does. He tucks them in. Yeah. He's just like, there you go, champ. <laughs> it's just like... It'll be okay in that place that's next. <laughs> like, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, but, yeah, the CSI money shot just... That killed me. I had to pause because I was laughing so much. <laughs> um... So... <laughs> <laughs> so so the doctor and the brigadier are like, okay, well, Liz, you stay here and, and keep examining the crime scene. The men have men work to do. And they, <laughs> they head off to um, 
to the the farmer's wife and she's just like she's just like the creature and she's all scared and panicked like the doctor talks to her like she's lassie like what timmy's in the well yeah like was the creature there and she's like it 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 was it was there where (laughs) and and then we tell me more take me there here's a treat (laughs) (laughs) and then we get this moment where she's just like a creature still in the barn and the doctor's like, it's still in the barn. Let's go, Briggs. So they, they, they run out. And then we get this really weird thing. And I only think this is funny because I, I, do, I don't know. I think about these things. But, like, the, <laughs> we get this shot from the from the, the creature's perspective, like the three-split 80s slasher POV shot of, like, mm-hmm. it coming close Kill shot to, cam. Yeah, the kill shot cam of it coming close to Liz and then swatting her aside. And that's really where the episode ends. But, um... I, I it totally to looks like it totally looks like the Silurian's about to have his way with Liz. Yeah, and like it's it's kind of actually really dark as an ending. Like like you know yeah. your your companion's in real peril and like she's you know at the mercy of this creature. But I think it's I think it's really funny because apparently Unit has no con and this is just like Unit. Unit is like, you know, I like the Unit stories. I mean, I know there are a bunch of people out there. I mean, we got an email this week of someone who's just like, I hate the Unit stories. And hello, listener out, out in the Ethernet. Um, I don't think that was a proper use of Ethernet. Um, so <laughs> the, the, I know there are people who don't really like the the Unit stories. But, I mean, I, mean I, I understand that criticism. But at the same time, like, I really like Unit when they're used well. I think they're used well here. But my goodness, Unit does not know how to clear a room. Like... <laughs> It's like that one scene, like like the first thing they learn in in like CSI is like you clear a crime scene. Like way to not clear a crime scene, dude. Like, <laughs> what you're looking for is in the barn right there. Like you should have known better than to just like leave a guard outside and hear Liz screaming. <laughs> I don't know. Did you notice that? I noticed. It. Yeah, totally. Okay. I I also love like I I I I thought that it, it looked like the Silurian is about to have his way with Liz, and then we get to part three, and I'm like I'm like no, I was imagining that, but then the Silurian d- does that again, and then walks over to the barn door and locks it. And I'm like oh my god, he's he wants his privacy. <laughs> <laughs> like I just got attacked. I need some alone time unit, um, which I think is funny because the, the Silurian apparently knows how to lock a door. Um, yeah. So well, I mean, he's a Silurian. He's not an animal. Yeah. Um, so while after he after he locks the door, after he locks the door, uh, Doctor Quinn and um, Doctor Quinn and his secretary or his assistant, whatever, Miss Dawson, uh, have a have a meeting. And Doctor Quinn goes to her and he's like, "Well, I talked to them." And she's like, "What do you mean you talked to them? We said we weren't going to talk to them. How can you do this?" And he's like, "Well, I have this communicator and I need to bring this creature back." Which kind of tells you where it's going for this episode, and I really like that um, the way that this sort of like story again. I'm I'm so fascinated with structure, and we can't really talk about it yet because we haven't gotten to like four part stories, which are the best to discuss structure with. But what you have here is you have a lot of like it's it's such a really great mystery. You know what I mean? Like you like we're in episode three, and we haven't seen one of these creatures. The most we've seen of it is a hand, and every episode kind of leads you more towards this larger story and it it, i just i think it's so well paced in that uh, you still it's still kind of building on itself to the point where where like you like at the end of this episode we do i think it's this one we do see a silurian for the first time and it's it's just it's just so well structured because like you kind of don't know what you're dealing with quite yet um Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Did you did you notice that Scott? Because it's oh yeah, yeah yeah totally. I I was I was surprised because we don't actually see a Silurian until the end of part three. Yeah, 
which is yeah. it's brilliant. It's just it's one of those things where like every so often you'll have these great writers who know how to structure a Doctor Who story, and Malcolm Hulk is one of them. Robert Holmes is the best there ever was, but like you always forget that someone like Malcolm Hulk knows how to structure a story and do it really well. I mean, the guy wrote the War Games for frack's sake. I mean, the guy knows what he's <laughs> doing. Um, so if the doctor can make a ten part story interesting. Oh gosh. More power to the man. Yeah, I'd like, say. how do you do that? Like, I don't even know how you make a ten-part story interesting, and yet, it's like the most compelling four hours of your life. Like, you can't stop watching it. Um, anyway, so what we have next is we have the Doctor and the Brigadier. They arrive at the barn and they they get in and they're like, clear the barn. And Unit's like, oh, I guess we should have done that. So they start clearing the barn, but they find nothing, which means that the the lizard somehow got away. Like, I don't know how it got away, but somehow it managed to get away, which is. Is Unit just not here? Are they just not <laughs> doing anything? I kept I kept waiting for, and we got we got close. There's there's a shot um, later. I think it's like around dusk, and you can see uh, Silurian's like silhouette in the distance in the woods. I actually I think, think at that's one part in part two when he emerges that... from the caves. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I I kept waiting for like the uh, like the the uh, the Sasquatch shot. Yeah. Of just, like, the Silurian just, like, running through the woods, yeah. and, like, you just, like, see a glimpse of him in the it, distance. Yeah, because it totally feels like Sasquatch, like, all through this, because, like, this episode comes so close to teasing you about what stories are, especially later when, um, when the hunt is on for this creature. Which, um, by the way, where's the Doctor Who Sasquatch story? I don't know. Let's, uh, isn't there? Abominable Snowman, right? Yeti. Is there one? Yeti. There's a Yeti one? There are two Yeti ones, actually. Uh, I listened to okay. the first one. I've, I've gotten through the first one. It's the Abominable Snowman. I, I, I wasn't crazy about it. I thought it was six parts. It could have been four. Um, mm. But it's it, again, that's not really Yeti, though. Those are like weird like robot Yeti. Um, but the, re- the Web of Fear, which is a very – it's a hugely classic, fantastic, supposedly, Troughton story, like one of the best, 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 um, which is the first introduction of the, of the Brigadier is a Yeti story. Um, so, I mean – but yeah, they're not really a Sasquatch thing. Isn't Sasquatch like an American thing though? Like I don't know. There's it's um, rife for discussion. Stephen Moffat should just get on that and make the best Yeti story that's ever been or Sasquatch story, whatever. <laughs> let's well, it happens. looks yeah. Let's let's absolutely yeah yeah. Um, so the doctor, also Loch Ness. What? Loch Ness. Oh, they've done Loch Ness. Yes. Okay. We're, yeah. Oh, right. we're talking about that much sooner than you think. Um, okay. Sweet. Yeah. Terror of the Zygons. I haven't seen it, but I'm pumped. Um, yeah, that, that's coming up, actually, on the other side of uh, – um, what was it? Uh, Smith & Jones, on the other side of Smith & Jones. We were talking about Terror of the Zygons really early on. Um, oh. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> tangents. Um, so uh, the doctor and the brig start to wake up Liz, and Liz is like, I've seen it. And then, <laughs> and then we get this really great thing where, like, Dr. Quinn shows up. And Dr. Quinn is just like, hey, I was just in the neighborhood and I saw some cops here, so I thought I'd stop by. Um, is anything suspicious going on? And the doctor and the brigadier are like, what are you doing here? And he's just like, I was on my way home or back to work or wherever. And the doctor and the brigadier are like, well, you can take Liz if you're going back to work. He's like, well, I can't. I have an appointment out of town between here and there where I have to go pick up shoes. <laughs> and it's just like and the doctor and the brigadier are like well that's weird alright I guess but it's just like I love Dr. Quinn because this guy is just so incompetent when it comes to like being able to come up with a convincing story and not be suspicious looking <laughs> yeah. like, not at all as we're about to see um, 
So <laughs> Dr. Quinn leaves, and while this is going on, a unit opens the search for um, this creature, and it's going across as it cuts across the wilderness, and there are dogs, and there are helicopters, and units out in full force, and... <laughs> Dr. Quinn, who's totally wearing one of those commie hats, you know, like, <laughs> I forget what they're called, but he's totally wearing one of those, um, like, like those big Russian hats, um, <laughs> high Russian people, um, <laughs> he's wearing one of them, and he's, and he's, like, he's, like, driving through the wilderness, basically around the farm, much like Unit is, and he gets out of his car and activates this, this communicator, <laughs> And he's just like his car is parked there, and he's just standing there. And, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hi. He's like, he's like waiting for the Silurian to show up, and then a helicopter flies by, and he like waves down the helicopter like, oh, hello, how are you doing? What's going on? And then he like gets in his car and drives off. <laughs> Which I thought was also really funny because the yeah. guy just does not know how to be subtle at all. <laughs> It's kind of perfect. I love it. I oh, it's so it's so just like classic silly Doctor Who, which is you know sometimes the best Doctor Who. Um, so the Doctor <laughs> and the Brigadier hear about from the coordinator. I forget who um, who's the coordinator of this search. It doesn't really matter. Um, they hear about Doctor Quinn, and and they're just like they're just like oh well um, we, we should go check that out. So they start going. They go and look for Doctor Quinn, um, and while this is going on, Doctor Quinn manages to get. I keep wanting to say medicine woman. Um, Dr. Quinn. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Don't worry. It's every time, we're dude. Not, you can't. We're not going to be talking about him for much longer, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Dr. Quinn. Stops medicine by, woman. Yeah, yeah, medicine woman. Stops by, I'm just going to say it because I can't stop. Um, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, stops by the um, <laughs> by this, by this bushes, pushing through. Um, and he activates the communicator, and we get another one of those slasher murder camera view things of this uh, of this creature as it walks through the woods and there's this great shot of um of uh, dr quinn medicine woman standing by his car and behind him the bushes start rustling and you just start to see a creature come out and then they cut away really fast which i thought was a really great touch because they're like you're not ready to see um this thing yet um so yeah there's that (laughs) <laughs> and now Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, has the has the lizard, which is really cool. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Liz um, meets with the Major Baker to ask him what the creature he looked like was. And Ma- Major Baker is totally into Liz, and they never pay off on that again. I just thought – I just wanted to mention that because Major <laughs> Baker is totally into Liz. Um, <clears throat> so then <laughs> – the doctor goes to Dr. Quinn's house because... Oh, this is my favorite scene. Yes, this is phenomenal. Um, the doctor basically puts two and two together and he finds tire tracks and he finds one of the Silurian footprints. I mean, weird creature, not Silurian footprints on the road. And he's just like, well, I'm going to go talk to Dr. Quinn because he acted really suspicious. Dr. Quinn is at his house just kind of hanging out. And... Um, the doctor goes there, and there's this really fantastic scene where the doctor just, like, rings the doorbell, or he knocks on the door, and Dr. Quinn goes over, and Pertwee's just looking through the window, just like, hi. <laughs> he's just, he's being really creepy, but, like, that's that's creepy enough, but then, like, they he comes in, and they have this, uh conversation about the thermostat and how it's really high and he's like well let me let me fix this for you and he's just like no you don't touch a man's from thermostat yes. it's just like they just they have this argument about the thermostat 
And I'm just like, this is, this is, I'm watching an episode of Doctor Who where the doctor is, is arguing with someone about their thermostat. Yeah, he's being like the, the, the air conditioning guy, which I think is just so yeah. funny. And the, oh, I forgot to mention that there's also this great point where like, where Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman is just like, it's just like, well, I guess I should open the door. And he opens the door and there's Pertwee standing there, like a total like, badass mofo just kind of like standing against the wall with like his his arm up against like the the, the door jam and, <laughs> and his arm his other arm just like on the other door jam and his, his his hands by his nose and his mouth and he's just like hello and you're just like okay pertwee rocks um <laughs> yeah um so <laughs> but anyway so so like after after dr quinn medicine woman kicks out the doctor because he he doesn't want him messing with his thermostat right because it's turned up too high because he's got a lizard living with him right um he he shuts the door he locks the doctor out right and he rests himself against the door and then he starts to walk away and then he notices the doctor is in the window peering inside yes. just looking like just soaking in all the information he can and then he sees him and he's just like Oh hi! Yeah, and then walks off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I oh man, I love it. I'm I'm I mean like this is this is shameless plug for my blog, but I back in the day I used to like do these crazy um like recaps, much like we're doing here, but in written form. And I I totally I've screen capped these images, and if you want to see them, you can go find it. And I've if you want to see what I'm talking about, it is so funny. Like it's <laughs> just oh it's so funny. Like I oh I get it gets me every time. <laughs> it's Quinn. it's it's phenomenal. It it is phenomenal. Um. So while this is going on, the doctor's like, "Screw this! I'm gonna go um investigate Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman and see what's going on." So he goes to um Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman's office and he starts rummaging through cabinets and like apparently they can just <laughs> search through things because they're unit and they're extra national or something. And this is like, Are "You sure we should be doing this?" And the doctor's like, "Screw it! I don't care." So, they find they find this globe and the globe has Pangea on it. For those who don't know, Pangea is like what all the continents look like when they're mushed together into one landmass. <laughs> and, and then they get busted by Miss Dawson, who comes in and she's oh just like, and she's just like, "What are you guys doing in here?" And the doctor's like, well, "What do you think we're doing? We're investigating your boss." And she's like, "She's like, why are you doing that?" And he's like, "He's like because there's something going on." And she's like. No, there isn't. He's like, yes, there is. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, tell me what you know. And she's like, they said they wouldn't, they wouldn't hurt him or be anything bad. And he's like, what are you talking about? And the brigadier goes, hello, and completely ruins the moment. And Doctor, and Doctor, there was so he's just the doctor, just like. <laughs> Damn it, Brig! You totally info blocked me. Yeah, like, 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 and he totally says that, and, and Miss Dawson is just like, never mind, and she just leaves. Which no, so Brigadier, funny. you're going to distract her simple mind. Oh, you did it! You distracted <laughs> her simple female mind. Yeah, and it like, oh, totally kills the moment, and because of that, like, I, oh, Brigadier totally makes this story go on for another four episodes. Um, so. <laughs> So then the assistant goes to Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, and uh, I, I write her down as assistant, so if I say that, I'm talking about Miss Dawson. Goes back to Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, and they have a discussion about what's going on, and Dr. And Dr. Quinn, medicine woman's like, I have one. It's in the back room, and she's just like, you shouldn't be doing this, and he's like, I'm not listening to you, and then she leaves. <laughs> 
then like while this is going on major baker like over back in the thing who's still kind of lost his mind and has like his arm in a sling is like i want to go back into the caves and i want to gun them down but they can't because this this mate this secretary dude is coming oh god we're gonna have to talk about that guy oh, i hate him um <laughs> and um the doctor um goes off to dr quinn's house and I'm YouTubing this because I think it's really funny, but um, it leads into a really fantastic little mini conversation about lizard music, um, which kazoo music? Yeah, kazoo Is lizard it... music, lizard kazoo <laughs> music. Where it's like the first time I saw this, I burst out laughing because I couldn't handle it. Like you probably laughed a little bit, right? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what happens is the doctor goes into uh, Doctor Quinn's house. Like, just breaks and enters in the middle of the night, which is totally not dangerous at all. Not illegal. None of that. Um, doctor breaks into Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman's house, and he and he starts, like, walking through, and he finds Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman dead on the sofa. There's no... This is one of my problems with the story, is they actually never really explain why Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman dies, which I think is problematic. Um, the implication is that the Silurian did it, but that doesn't seem like a Silurian, because it hasn't really killed anyone yet. Um... And he sees that Dr. Quinn is there, and he picks up the little communicator that the, the Silurians gave to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and he turns it on, and the call starts, and you, you see the, this reptilian hand in from the back room emerge around the corner, and the doctor turns around, and you get your first look at the Silurian, and as you look at this thing, they do a dramatic push-in on the Silurian, and then they cut over to the doctor. Now, that in and of itself is kind of... It's a good cliffhanger, but it's underscored by the worst music choice I have ever heard in Doctor <laughs> Who, which is this, like, burp, burp, yeah, burp. it's like a muted saxophone, like, if a muted saxophone and a kazoo had a baby, like, that's what this sounds like, and it's like, <laughs> and then it just cuts the credits, and you have John Pertwee cliffhanger face and his eyes go wide, and it's the funniest thing, like, yeah. Oh my god. I think I, I th there's two other things too that I find really funny about this scene. Mm -hmm. One being that I find it awfully nice of the Silurian to put Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman back in the chair after killing him. Yeah. Just like, yeah, well, we might as well make him comfy. I mean, I did kill him. Yeah. So. Uh, and then also that the doctor is just like, is he dead? Let me check his. Let me let me listen to his heartbeat, which I think is just fascinating that that's what he does rather than yeah. checking a pulse like a normal person. Yeah, well, he's the doctor. Um, that's how yeah. Frames check to see if there's a heartbeat, heartbeat. Apparently, um, but not only does he do that, but then afterwards he's just like, "Yep, he's dead. Better go through all of his stuff." <laughs> he, <laughs> well, he just starts sucks. checking his pockets, and then he just rips that thing out of his hand. And just, it, it's just, it's just oh. really funny. Like the doctor has no respect for the dead, <laughs> or like breaking and entering at all, which I think is just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyways, that that's part three. Part four, um, the doctor, and this is this is where we start to get um, the real major inter. And for my money, the real thematic thrust of this, where the doctor starts to communicate with the Silurian and starts saying, "You're a Silurian, aren't you?" Which you know they never explain. That's what they're called. The doctor just likes to call them that. Um, <laughs> he's like, "You're a Silurian, aren't you?" And the, and the Silurian kind of acknowledges him, but the the creature runs away when there's like cars when i think he hears some cars and the silurian just runs away and the doctor's like no um which i guess i guess that works um <laughs> and then we get this really great scene and i'm gonna try and be as g-rated as possible with this but how can i not because i laughed the first time i saw this but major baker <laughs> 
I don't know if you noticed this, but I the first time I saw this in a, like a, a purely quote unquote sexual context, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> Major Baker is in this um, is in the unit like uh, this this infirmary, <laughs> and he sees this guy named Sergeant Hart, who's like this big chunky, hefty, hossy looking guy, and he manages to trick Sergeant Hart into letting him escape, which involves like. He asked Sergeant Hart to put on his coat for him. And, take it off. Or to take it off. And as a result, like, he manages to get the drop on Sergeant Hart. And it's like this really, like, pseudo-sensual, like, sexual tension scene where it's just like, will you take this coat off for me? And Sergeant Hart's like, I'd love to. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Sergeant, Sergeant Hart gets knocked away. And I'm <laughs> And so then the brigadier. I kept waiting for the pizza guy to show up. Yes, yes. The pizza guy is like, did someone order a pizza? And Major Baker pushes him out of the way. And Sergeant Sergeant Hart's like, I did. Um, So then we get this fantastic conversation with the brigadier, where the brigadier says, the brigadier says, well, what happened? And the guy's like, he he jumped me. And the brigadier's like, again, I'm just I'm just saying this verbatim. I'm not trying to put any inflection into it, but it's there. Um, Major, Major Hart's like, he jumped me, and the Brigadier says, well, you should have been, you should have been Betty, better, like, ready for that. And Major, ba- and Major Baker, Sergeant Hart's like, well, he's like, I thought he couldn't use his arm. And the Brigadier says, well, he used it on you, now, didn't he? And I laughed <laughs> so much when I saw that. I was just like, oh, boy. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Have we gotten to the scene where Director Lawrence has way too much makeup on? Like he has really thick eyeliner and pink lipstick. Did I? I don't think. I don't think we have. In fact, I don't think I noticed that. Oh yeah, there's there's. I was just like, oh, it's emo Director Lawrence with the comb over. That's wow. I like Miss Snyder. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Um, so I keep, I keep, I like kept waiting for him to like start like you know break out and like, do you really want to know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the way it was like a really slow pull in is yeah. when I would notice the eyeliner, pink lipstick. So I just kept waiting for him to just turn to the camera and just start singing. And I was like, um, <laughs> this is not Doctor Who anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so. Um, Major Baker basically escapes into the caves, um, and he takes a gun, and he gets, actually, he gets caught in, like, this, this, this swamp thing, and, and the Silurians surround him, and, and he's just like, no, and he starts shooting at the Silurians, but apparently they can dodge bullets, and, um, he, they take him out, um, when they capture him, which is kind of interesting, uh, because he's gonna stay captured for a while, um, (laughs) And while this is going on, the doctor goes to the brigadier, and he's just like, "We have to, we have to make peace with these guys. We can't do military action." The brigadier's like, "I want military action. I want troops. I want guns." Um, but no one's gonna give him any guns because it's still a suspicion. No one's really seen these things except the doctor and Liz and a bunch of crazy people. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand the, the the rationale for that, but I think it's really interesting that he, again, the brigadier is blocked uh, bureau- bureaucratically from making unilateral decisions. Um, so he has to get approval from some British secretary. Oh, unit bureaucracy. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a there's a really uh, great scene where where the doctor's like, "Well, we have to do peace," and the brigadier's like, "I'm not listening to you." So, uh, Liz and the doctor get together, and the doctor's. This is really funny. <laughs> While this is going on, 
the doctor does not tell the brigadier that um, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman is dead. Um, which I think is really interesting because that, like, furthers, like, uh, the doctor's sort of goal in not exacerbating violence um, with regards to the situation. Um, <laughs> he totally tells Liz, and Liz is like, are you kidding? And the doctor's like, no, I'm afraid I'm not. And, like, I just love that the doctor didn't tell the brigadier. I, I think that's really, it's a really interesting character portrayed, and it, 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 it highlights the idea that the doctor is not units lackey, which I think is really interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you find that weird? I found it weird, but also I didn't. I didn't really find it weird because, like, I it was at that point when I realized just how similar this story is to the Silurian two-parter from series five, uh-huh. like the plot. Yeah, it's because I mean, similar. it's yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the Silurians are and and the humans are like you know at odds, mm-hmm. and the Doctor is trying to make them not go to war, and then there's an older mm-hmm. Silurian that is is on the Doctor's side, and a and young gets... upstart who's yeah exactly. So it's just it's very very similar, and mm-hmm. uh, this um, reminded me a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. of the the human that dies that sets all the other humans off right, right, right. in that episode. So mm-hmm. I was I, it reminded me of that, and I was like. I was watching this and just thinking, man, the doctor must have been having like severe case of deja vu. <laughs> well, that's the really interesting thing I think because like we haven't talked about the other Silurian stories yet, um, specifically Warriors of the Deep, um, in which the doctor, whenever the Silurians are involved, the doctor always takes the Silurian side because humans, humans can't. He he understands that humans cannot rationalize the fact that there might be other creatures on this planet. That is, you know, that is, you know, it's humans, it's it's humanity's planet. But like, I I think it's really interesting, and you'll see it when you when you watch Warriors of the Deep, where every Silurian story is kind of the same, where the Silurians just kind of lash out, and the humans basically just decimate them. Um, I just I think it's really interesting, and, and it's totally topical. Although I really do think that they work. Uh, really well here, better so even than in the fifth series story. Oh, absolutely. And this is very much more like I think it's more topical and well done. Um, but yeah, no, I totally see what you mean, and it's it just reminds me that like even when we watch Warriors of the Deep, you'll see that it's totally, it's like practically the same thing. It's like watching Deja Vu. <laughs> that was my problem with watching it because I think the first time I saw this, I had just seen the fifth part or the fifth the f- season five episode, and then I had just watched Warriors of the Deep, and I had experienced the f- the. Um, the fifth Doctor audio play blood or sixth Doctor audio play blood tide. So I've gotten the Silurian backstory so many times that I'm just like, okay, well, I know it. <laughs> that's just that's just me. Um, so Liz and the Doctor go into the caves where they notice that it's really hot, um, and they see a Silurian enter the caves um, using this call that it has, like this sort of thing. Um, yeah, this, the the squeaky yeah, park the swing. communication device. So the doctor uses Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman's communication device to kind of break into the Silurian cave, and they infiltrate the Silurian base, and they find Major Baker, who's like who's locked in a cage, and he's like, you have to go get back up, and the doctor's like, I'm not listening to you. Um, and they leave Major Baker there. Um, and they realize that the Silurians are waking up from deep hibernation um, from these like sort of like coffin things, which again every Silurian story, there's Silurians waking up, um, which are causing the power <laughs> drains going on at the um, the place. That's what we're calling it, the place. Um, <laughs> I stick to the meme. Um, so, Liz and the Doctor attempt to leave, but they they, um, they come across a dinosaur 
and then they run away from the dinosaur, and that's really all that you get from that. Um, and then the the secretary shows up, um, and the secretary and the and Doctor Lawrence meet and have a discussion. I don't remember the secretary's name. Wasn't it like Roberts? I think. I think it was Roberts. I don't remember, but I hate this guy. This guy's a jerk. Um, was it Masters? No, yeah, Secretary Masters. I'm sorry, Secretary Masters. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Dr. Lawrence and the Secretary Masters um, meet up, and Dr. Lawrence continues complaining about whatever is on his mind, and he's like, Unit's trying to undermine my authority and in my career, and the Secretary's like, chill out. And... Um, I really like again that this um, the scope keeps increasing. Like we're in we're in part four, but we're still kind of introducing characters and still kind of making the story bigger and bigger. And as we see, like we're gonna get more Silurians, and I just think it's really interesting how like we're in part four, which is ah, it's it's really how long a Doctor Who story should be, almost mm-hmm. exclusively. But I kind of don't mind that we're in episode four even now because I think it's I think it's just so well done in terms of pacing. Like, were you feeling a burn now? at this point about like how long it was or were you like kind of going with it no i was i was going with it um it wasn't until uh uh sciency doctor that i was like uh oh yeah all right the montage um yeah <laughs> oh the montage um so so the director's complaining and the secretary's like well i'm not going to let them get away with this too much and and um I call him the director i'm sorry um the dr lawrence and doc the doctor meets with dr lawrence and they run around in circles and they and they have discussions about what to do and major baker is down in the in the caves being interrogated by the silurians and they're torturing him and there's more arguing and um miss dawson shows up and it's like dr quinn medicine woman is dead we need to nuke these guys and the military is like we gotta go now and the doctor's like oh crap so the doctor gets back in his miner's outfit which every time he goes into the cave he's wearing the miner's outfit i just wanted to point that out I don't know when he had time to change, especially because he's racing unit down into the caves. Um, <laughs> he, he races down to the caves and is captured by the Silurians. Um, and while this is going on, the Brigadier and unit show up in the caves and they get trapped in a in a small cavern and like because like a rock face appears in the, in the doorway and so that that happens. Um, and then we get uh, the the Silurians start to torture the Doctor with this third eye of theirs, and every time the third eye flashes, like it's on the top of their head, because um, the Silurians here look totally different than they did in Series Five, like totally different. They look like fish people. Um, <laughs> and, and the Silurian starts like torturing the Doctor with this this uh, third eye zappy thing. <laughs> mind bullets. Yeah, <laughs> with mind bullets. Oh, now I gotta go listen to that song again. Um, <laughs> For those who don't know, look it up. Um, so <laughs> the Silurian zaps the doctor, and it's like wiggling its head, which I think is really funny. Um, I think it's funny that he has to really concentrate to use that third eye. Yeah, like it's just like it's not even like inherent. Like it, you can tell that this thing is like one step away from being completely evolutionarily written out of the Silurian DNA. <laughs> so it like works on the doctor, and then we get another fantastic se- section of Pertwee cliffhanger face. Which He's, he's cross-eyed this time. Yeah. Like it's he's just like <laughs> like it's like <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> um, so it turns out that um we're going to call these guys uh, young Silurian and old Silurian. Uh the the dude who was torturing the doctor is the young Silurian and this old Silurian shows up and pulls the young Silurian off the doctor and is like what are you doing? We can't torture them. This is mean and cruel and the doctor's like you need to you need to help us and the pig and his men are totally stuck in the cave. Um <laughs> they can't move and it's really hot. Um <laughs> basically where they stay um, 
And uh, I, I just want to say, anytime the Silurians are talking to each other with no humans around, it's the best scenes in the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> in this, in this, like I love where he just where where the older Silurian and the younger Silurian are talking. And uh, they're arguing about about what's going on, and the younger Silurian says, "I disagree," and then starts to walk out, and then stops and turns back around and goes, "We should destroy them," yes. and then walks back out again. <laughs> it was so funny, it, it, and it's it's just like it's one of the they have to do that because like because the Silurians like they don't they don't have actually working mouths, um, so they have to like bob their head when they talk, and it's just, and they have like these weird like. Russianish accents. It's I don't know what accent that is. It feels like Eastern European sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. uh, so phenomenal. I love whenever the Silurians are talking, which they are they, going. They to shake talk. like elderly people. Yeah, like just like just like bobbing a little bit, like they're having like a little fit of epilepsy or whatever. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. that was mean. I apologize. Um, so, <laughs> so the young, the young Silurian wants to kill all the humans, but the doctor pleads with the older Silurian and says, "Look." Please don't kill us. Work with us. The humans are going to try and wipe you out if you guys don't do peace. And we get some backstory into, like, they were lizards and they lived on the planet's surface. And they thought that – this is some weird, like, late 60s science for you. But they, they, they were they were on the planet's surface and they saw that some that the meteor was going to attack the Earth. And they were like, oh, crap. So they went down into the, into the like – land under the earth where it was warm and they planned to like sit it out with the hi- and hibernate their way until the earth was habitable again and the doctor goes that wasn't a meteor that was the moon which <laughs> which is just like i don't know it's just like that's not i mean if you if you approach it from like that perspective like the modern scientific <laughs> theory of where the moon came from like that's so wrong but it like it was right back then um, <laughs> 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 just it just it gets me every time um <laughs> So yeah, doctor, I was kind of scratching my head yeah. during that part. I was like, um... <laughs> doctor, you were wrong. <laughs> but maybe it's like one of those things where it's like, that's the current like theory. So the doctor's like, well, that's the current theory. That's the one I'm going with. Um, so um, the doctor, um, while this is going on and the doctor gets released from his cage and has a big discussion with the old Silurian, one of the Brigadier's men starts drawing on the walls and losing his mind all prehistoric light. And the Brigadier's like, well, let's just leave him alone. And they're going to run out of air, which is kind of, you know, pressing, pressing, pressing matters. Um, but the Silurian, and I think this is really interesting because, again, thematically, um, the whole story is about why humans are awful people. Um, and the, Silur- the older Silurian decides we're going to let the humans go. So the old Silurian pulls the trigger um, and lets the lets the brigadier and his men out of the caves and then the young Silurian gets pissed and he's just like he's just like that's stupid now I want to be the I want to be the leader because you suck and all this stuff um and so he plans a coup to challenge for the leadership um with another couple Silurians um and they the first move that this guy plans to do is to inst- like take this virus that they had used because back in the day they used to use humans for slave labor, which again weird science. Um, because I think because <laughs> I don't think that's where the once you start thinking about the moon and humans and Silurians, it doesn't quite match up. But it's okay, it's Doctor Who. It doesn't really matter for now. Um, so, sorry. Um, <laughs> so um, they they get this idea to use this um this virus that um that. Uh, they would use to control the human population, which they were using on farms. And whenever the humans got out of hand, they would just release this virus and kill a bunch of humans, and then use it to as a method of population control. Which, um, 
gonna be honest, I don't think that's the best of population controls that you can use. Um, a virus seems kind of, you know, exterminating rather than, you know, population control-y. Um, they're Silurians, I guess they just don't care about human life. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how zombie outbreaks happen. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think we should just blame them all on Silurians, to be honest. I mean, that's the missing episode <laughs> from The Walking Dead, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> um, no, wait, that was Aliens. Um, so then, um... I love Robert Kirkman. Uh, sorry, we're off topic. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, the, 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 the plan to infect Major Baker and then send him up to the, um, send him up to the real world to, uh, start an epidemic, which I think is a really, like, it's really dark and it's like, the, the Silurians don't really care about human life and I think that's really interesting. Um, and so, back upstairs, um, in the, in the place, um, no one's back and, uh, Dr. Lawrence is starting to freak out, and the secretary is, like, starting to freak out, and the brigadier returns, and um, he's like, there, we got trapped, it was the weirdest thing, and <laughs> and then um, I'm going to skip a little bit and come back to it in a minute about the Silurians, what's going on with them, but um, the old, oh, no, I can, I can do this now, I'm sorry, you can cut this out. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was following my notes, and I'm like, that doesn't seem like it fits, but it turns out that the old Silurian... Is, goes over to the young Silurian and says, well, where's Major Baker? And the young Silurian's like, I gave him the virus, and I sent him back up to the humans. And the old Silurian is like, why'd you do that? And the old young Silurian's like, because you suck as a leader. And the old Silurian says, I shall kill you if you defy me again. And I'm going to be honest with you, the old Silurian here is working for peace. And, like, if my subordinate did that, and I had the power of killing, not that I would or do, but... Oh my god, like, totally, you should have just outed him now, because you just sealed your your own fate by not killing this guy who, like, released, a, like, a, a genocidal virus, like, just, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, because he's just like, I'm, I'm going to kill you now, but I'm not going to use my instant death third eye, I'm going to slap fight you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we're going, that's how I'm going to, like... The older Silurian like attacks the younger one with with a slap fight, and the younger one just kind of steps back and turns on his third eye. And yeah. He's like, "And you're dead." And like, and old Silurian like <laughs> goes, and like, it's like like if you take your hands and you hold them up in front of you, like you're kind of gonna fight someone, and then you move them really fast in a circle. That's really what the Silurian does. It's really kind of funny, and it kind of yeah. attacks him. It's not really that intimidating, but <laughs> whatever. These are Silurians. <laughs> this is apparently how they fight. It's like old-timey boxing, but not. Um, <laughs> I have decided that I want to go back in time and make a daytime soap opera starring only Silurians. I would watch it. Yeah. I'd watch the hell out of that. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Silurian politics and one of them. One of them has to be a boxer. One of them is a leader, but we'll get to that in a second because, oh man, the young Silurian. Um, but before the before the old Silurian uh, gets killed by the young Silurian, he manages to get a, a like the the basic strain of the virus, the, this the base bacteria to the doctor, and gets it to him and says, "Go rescue humanity um, using this," and tells the doctor about Major Baker. And we cut back upstairs, and Major Baker barges into HQ, and he's like, we need to go, I was just captured by them, and they totally exist, we need to go, like, knock the crap out of them right now, like, we need to go kill them out, and the doctor shows up, and he has this really great authoritarian moment, where he's like, everyone get away from Major Baker, um, cause he's sick, and it's this really, really great sort of empowering Pertwee moment, <laughs> where you have him, like, cause you rarely see Pertwee, like, in a position of power, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And he like he like really comes in and is like get away from Major Baker and like you the way that he says it and the way that he's controlling the scene I think is a really good testament to like how like powerful Pertwee as the Doctor can be, <laughs> um, which you don't actually see all that often. Yeah. I think it's really also cool. also I love Baker's face where he's just like what. Uh- Oh come on, guys! Like, <laughs> I'm not infected. One well, of the first of many to say that. Um, and there's this really great moment where the camera pulls back and you see another camera. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but it's totally there. No. Oh yeah, there's a total shot where like, um, like the camera's in on Major Baker, and then everyone backs off, and the camera backs off. And then if you look over to the right, you can see the shadow of another camera. I love seeing stuff like that because it's so funny. Um, Oops. Good moment. <laughs> um, so, so the doctor. Um, He's like, Major Baker, you're sick. And Major Baker looks in his hands, and his hands are all, like, lesion-y, and they, he doesn't look so good. And so um, they take him away to a hospital – or not to the hospital, but to the infirmary. And the doctor's like, look, we need peace. This isn't really – this isn't the way it should be. And then he finds out that Major Baker gets taken to a hospital. And the doctor's like, what's wrong with you people? We need to quarantine him. And they're like, but a hospital can help. He's like, we don't know what this virus is. And so, like – so while he's distracted with this, the secretary, Secretary Masters, is just like, screw this, I ain't playing this game anymore. And, like, Secretary Masters was in the room where Major Baker was, like, collapsing from death or whatever. And the doctor's like, everyone here has probably been infected. Ma- secretary Masters is like, I'm just going to go back to London, see what I can do. And just leaves. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, are you some kind of idiot? Like, come on. Like, it's just... It, I, 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 thematically, it's one of those, like, great humans are hubris animals sort of thing that I think really works. Um, but, oh my god, Secretary Masters, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> and there's no respect for any sort of quarantine, which I think is just... Ugh. And so... <laughs> Well, I'm not sick. I feel fine. Yeah, he's like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to London. Yeah, despite the fact that, like, you know, if you were actually sick, you know, it would take a minute to get into your system. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. If I were that's sick, I'd feel it right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the doctor and the brigadier are like, what are you talking about? Um, <clears throat> and they get in a car and they head off to the hospital. And as they get to the hospital, this guy falls into frame and he's dead. And it's not Major Baker, and the doctor's just like, this is the first of many to fall to this virus. And that's where we end. Um, mm-hmm. I love the silly music that plays whenever the doctor is driving Bessie. Oh, yes, it's so good. It's like... It's just so happy. Yeah, it, it's just Pertwee's mind space where he's like, I'm driving a roadster and I'm getting paid for it. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this actually brings me to a point that I think is really interesting, and that is not what you think it would be, but it's Liz. Um... Because I did, I really don't know where to where to talk about this except in Spearhead from Space, uh, but we're not talking about that for a while, and I think it's really important to mention that um, I know a lot of people really like Liz. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Liz? You like Liz? Probably. Um, she's all right. I mean, I'm I'm not. I I haven't seen enough of her. I've only seen I think the two right, the two episodes. <laughs> Spoiler: with her in There's it, only so... two more. Um, because she's only oh. around for a season. Um, Liz was designed to be this really self reliant companion, and we talked about Zoe last week. Uh, as this like really strong, uh, independent companion, and Liz was designed to like kind of com- like be continue to be this really strong sort of character. And if you compare Liz to Pertwee's next companion, Joe Grant, who we'll talk about later, um, I know a lot of people don't like Joe Grant because they're like she's a pushover. She's just like the person who stands next to the doctor and she doesn't really do anything. Um, but 
the reason that Joe Grant works um, is we'll talk about it later, but Joe Grant works because she and the doctor need each other as opposed to Liz, who, if you think about it, hasn't really been in this story. And she's not really in any of other all of the other Pertwee stories that she's in, which I think is really interesting because they created a companion who was independent, but they created one who was actually too independent. Um, I could write I could write an essay about this, but yeah, I actually I kind of agree because the the like I like Liz as a character, but she's not really a companion. She's just like another unit employee. And the, and the doctor in this story spends way more time with the brigadier than he spends with Liz, and. Mm-hmm. I really, I agree. I think Liz is, she's a really smart person. She's a really great sort of companion, but it it just doesn't work. And like, I know that's weird to say that like you have the companion and the doctor kind of need to rely on each other. And I do think that in a lot of ways, Joe Grant is almost too dependent on the doctor, but there's a reason for that. And we'll talk about it later, especially in the green death. Um, but Liz doesn't work for me, and that's why. Because she, I, I talked about it in Spearhead from Space because I, I just reviewed that story a couple weeks ago, and I figured out that Liz and the Doctor, like Liz, can totally integrate herself into a situation. She doesn't need him, and he doesn't really need her, and it's just it doesn't really work. Because like even now, like you have this cliffhanger, which is like the Doctor and the Brigadier driving off. Like if this were any other Doctor, it'd be the Doctor and his companion. And in this, the Brigadier is the Doctor's companion, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that the Brigadier is the Doctor's companion because he's totally companion. But it's the fact that, like, Liz is almost too independent to be as effective as they wanted her to be, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. So Probably why she only lasted the one year. Yeah, and, and Barry Letts, when he took, like, he took over, like, Barry Letts is the producer of the story. Barry Letts designed Joe because he wanted someone to be a bit more dependent because I think he realized that. And I know a lot of people say that they love Liz and I love Liz, but that's my problem with her. It took me a long time to figure it out. But if you want to, like, if you look at it, you can totally see it. And you'll see what I mean that, like, the Doctor and Liz, they're good, they're friends, they have great chemistry, but she's shes just too independent, she's too unity to actually work with mm-hmm. Pertwee, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we go into part six, and it is super colorized. Let's, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think it's super colorized because um, uh, this is, uh, the Pertwee serials all exist in video, but a lot of them exist in um, in black and white, so I think this is, this is a byproduct of them attempting to self-color it, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. yeah, it was like really obvious as soon as it popped up. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, so let's see if we can talk about this part in five minutes because... Well, here, here's... I'll, I'll read you my notes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Colorization. The doctor is getting sciency. Everybody's getting sick. Wheels are spinning. Medical gibberish. <laughs> the doctor stares into a microscope. Liz Shaw takes notes. This episode is boring. Random cut to the doctor rubbing his forehead. Crazy director Lawrence acts like Gollum. <laughs> and <laughs> and mind bullets again. Yep, that's actually that... pretty much the episode. Okay, we can move on. Uh, seriously, um, uh, this episode is really interesting if for no other reason because um, I think the virus subplot as a subplot works um, because it does it does inject life into the story and give it an extra sort of kick. But at the same time, um, last week we talked about Troughton staring into microscopes. Oh my goodness, does Pertwee stare into microscopes in this? Oh boy, does oh, he. It's just the entire episode. And I and I get that like the doctor's being a scientist here, but oh man, talk about what kids don't want to see. <laughs> but it does yeah. it does bring up the really interesting part where Secretary Masters is a moron. Like he like gets off the train, like a packed 
train full of people and walks through a crowded subway station and like is feeling weak and he drops his ticket and he's touching everybody just be, just because you know when you're walking around a city you you touch everybody and he gets in a car and he drives away and everyone in London starts like falling down and from the sickness and this virus which I think is really interesting because it, it does show like the effect of uh, the Silurian attack um, the reason that unit and everyone at the the place uh, doesn't actually go down is because um, they just take every antibiotic they have and just pump it into people which I think is so funny because the doctor's totally probably like tripping on Benadryl at this point um, <laughs> but amidst like all these people collapsing you have this montage like this weird like montage of like the doctor like staring into a microscope and like pinching like the bridge of his nose and like being really aggravated <laughs> and it's just it's just so boring and i i mean sometimes we get an episode that's really boring and we can kind of just skip it um i think i think that the the thing that's really funny is this could very easily be six parts yes. because you could cut out the entirety of part six just by having the older Silurian give him give the doctor a cure to the virus rather than a strand of the virus yes. that's it and you could completely get rid of part six just mm-hmm. like that Yes, um, and but yeah, you're you're totally right, and um, I think it's just worth pointing out that the reason that they didn't do that um, is because uh, when they started, sorry, that sounded jerky, not meant to be jerky. Um, uh, <laughs> the reason the reason it's seven parts rather than six is to cut costs. They had um, only four stories for this because they were because Doctor Who was moving to color, much like the um, the most recent Matt Smith, the first season of the Matt Smith stuff, the series five. Um, uh, suffered a budget cut because everything was going HD. Um, th- this is the f- this is the season <clears throat> where Doctor Who gets transferred to color um, and gets confined to Earth to save on costs, and that's really why that it's it's seven parts. But man, you're so right in that it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Oh, and like and like the best part is like going up till now, like the serial's going pretty great, and then it just screams to a halt. Like, I mean, the really part oh. six, the only thing it's got going for it is crazy director Lawrence acting yeah. like Gollum, yeah, and which like, is it's fantastic. This, it's this great <laughs> bit where director Lawrence like runs into the room and he's like, he's like, "What's going on?" And Liz is just like, "We're trying, we're trying to like, you know, coordinate this massive viral outbreak." And Doctor Lawrence is like, "There's no viral outbreak," and and Liz is like, "Yes, there is," and he's just like, "Hang on, I'm." forgetting this is this the part where he where he runs into the room is that this episode or is it the next one no it's this episode where, oh, like this where one? he attacks them and yeah. then dies yeah <laughs> okay that's i was trying to make sure because I, I i was looking through my notes and i'm deciding not to look at them because i don't want to talk about this part for much longer but um you're right and that he totally walks into the room like at the beginning of the episode he's like there's no viral outbreak and then later on he like runs into the room and his face are covered is covered with like lesions and his it is skin is peeling off and he's like and everyone's like Dr. Lawrence you're sick and he's just like I'm not no, sick no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> it's just so moronic it's just like you're a moron and you deserve to die dude and then um, he gets on all fours and like he just like hops on a desk and like yeah. just like <laughs> attacks somebody and I'm just like uh, you know yeah no it's the best part of this episode easily <laughs> Um, except for maybe the John Pertwee cliffhanger face at the end. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. So so nothing really happens in this episode except Doctor Lawrence dies. Thank God, good riddance. Hope we don't see him again until next week when we talk about Genesis of the Daleks, which we'll talk about then. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the Doctor basically comes up. He discovers a um, he discovers through mixing 
tons and tons of viral samples, which again, this is what kids want to watch. Um, he discovers a cure for the virus and he starts writing it down. Um, and the Silurians somehow managed to get all the way to the place and <laughs> they use their third eye to like blow a hole in like a wall and a door, like like two separate walls, and they just come in and they capture Pertwee, and then we get the shot of Pertwee like collapsing on the desk, like and like crazy <laughs> finger face. Um, yeah. And that's it. That's five minutes on part five, part six. I five, do five. love that he looks up from his notes once though. Like, yes. hmm, do I smell something? Yeah. No, I must just be having a stroke. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, so <laughs> the, the Silurians basically have the doctor again. Again, the doctor's captured. Um. So there you go. That's five minutes on part six. Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I also like that they blow a hole in the wall and then they fill it. Yeah. Well, th- and then blow yeah. a hole in the exact same spot again. So at least they're considerate enough to be like, well, we don't want to put a new hole in the wall. Let's yeah. just use the same should, one. I, w- I wish that they had just blew like three holes into the wall, like one and then the one right next to it and then one right next to that one. Like, like yeah. later in the story. And then the brigadier's like, and then to top it all off. We have extensive wall damage. They blew <laughs> pipes. There's leakage and water damage. It's not very good. Uh, so These Illyrians are the worst. Yeah, <laughs> bad house guests. Um, so <laughs> they don't use the doors. Um. So the Silurians basically capture the Doctor and they start dragging him away. Um, they drag him to the corridor where they have the hole in the wall and this unit dude walks up and there's this phenomenal shot where the unit dude like looks at them and sees the Silurians like 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 one has the Doctor's top half and the other one has the Doctor's bottom half and he's just like, hey! And then the Silurian just like looks over at him and like you can't see the Silurian's face but you know that the Silurian's thought process is just, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just like busted, and then the Silurian zaps him with its with its third eye, and then like and they take the doctor down into the, <laughs> into, the um, into the caves, and then seal up the, the the wall behind him, leaving this really just like gorgeous burn mark, like the exact size of the wall, which is a bit of a stretch. I can believe that they'd be able to knock down a wall, but reforming it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> So this guy, this other unit soldier shows up and he finds his collapsed comrade and he finds a doctor, um, another doctor and the, the doctor. And he's like, come and help me with this. And the unit guy looks over at the at the giant burn mark in the wall and is just like, huh, that's weird. And then walks off. Um, and then... <laughs> And then, like, uh, while this is going on, the Brigadier and Liz are, like, talking to all these hospitals who are, like, suddenly getting influxes of patients and this big virus thing. And um, they're like, the doctor's going to have the, the formula really soon. And and um, Liz is like, well, I'll go check on the doctor. And she goes in and finds the office deserted. Apparently, she doesn't see the giant burn mark on the wall either. It's not, again, not like it's a subtle burn. Like, it's a giant, like... Uh, like if you cut a giant man-sized hole in the wall and then just like basically recovered it like the, it with nope doesn't match the paint scheme like they ruined the paint scheme so they're gonna have to repaint this whole thing it's ah uh, it just doesn't work <laughs> like this is just like oh well that's weird um <laughs> but she finds the office deserted and they <laughs> she's she sees that the formula has been abandoned and she's just like well I'm gonna try and recreate the formula because that's really weird that the doctor's n- not there and. <laughs> I forgot to mention this, but this is my favorite part in episode six is the, I don't know if you saw this, but the young Silurian who killed the old Silurian to become the leader is completely and totally obsessed with being the leader. And every chance he gets, he's just like, I am the leader now. And he talks just like that. 
and there's this really <laughs> phenomenal shot where he's like talking to some Silurian. He's like, I am the leader. We are going to invade the, the place and, and take the doctor with us. And then this other Silurian leaves and the Silurian just looks at the camera and goes, I am the leader now. <laughs> 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 I just, I loved it, and like, I, I, oh, I just love how much this young, young upstart Silurian is so proud that he's the leader. Like, he's gonna get, he, he had name tags made up and everything. I'm sure. Um, he'll never get to use them though. Um, so the, the doctor's captured, and the young Silurian walks up to the doctor and tells him that he's the leader, and um, <laughs> they want the doctor uh, to force. Um, unit to turn the power for the place back on because um, they turned off the power when they realized that um, the Silurians were using it. So they want the Doctor to go back in and force them to turn the power back on so that they can keep reawakening Silurians from their hibernation places. And um, the, the, so the Silurians then go and they cut the power to the base. Um, why? I don't know. Because they were trying to keep the power on anyways. But So they cut the power to the base and they break through the wall again. The same exact spot so they're consistent. Um, <laughs> and the doctor is wearing this, like, great, like, he went from, like, like you said earlier, like, he went from, like, the fantastic magician outfit to the minor outfit to the magician outfit to the minor outfit to now he's in, like, this science outfit, which is mm-hmm. just, like, it looks, looks like, like... He looks like Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I was going to say Dr. Horrible, but Dr. Frankenstein, too. Like, he's got boots and, like, a white overcoat and, like, gloves and a smock, and, like, he just looks like a total, like, <laughs> like awesome scientist guy. So mm-hmm. the doctor like comes in with some Silurians and he's just like and he's just like and and he meets with the Liz and the Brigadier who find out that the elevators are off because there's uh, powers out and he's just like no we have to work with them. Um, then he goes into the doctor sailor on leave outfit. Yeah, yeah where he basically <laughs> with his big tattoo off, on his arm. Yeah, where he like strips off his coat and is left with like this white cotton tea and like Pertwee back in the day like when he was in the military got this like I don't know it's like this snake tattoo on his right <laughs> forearm and you see it whenever he doesn't wear a shirt which is only in like the first season of Pertwee and you just see like the doctor like regenerated this tattoo on his arm which makes me wonder how many doctors like regenerate and get a tattoo when they regenerate. Tom Baker has like like a big dragon on his back. Like. Yes, like and like wings, <laughs> and he's just like I can fly now. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Pertwee has like a starfish on like his right butt cheek. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. Um, so then they go into like the main nuclear reactor room, and the doctor's like, I'm just here to save lives. Don't put up a fight. We're gonna work with the Silurians. We're gonna make it work. And the Silurians uh, bring in this machine that's a, like a microwave emitter. I don't know why. I guess they just wanted to disperse microwaves to make the, the world hotter. Because uh, I guess the Silurians like global warming. Um, and they want to cook the Earth and make it really hot so that they can live on the um, on the surface. But there's not enough power, so the Doctor has to, um, has to uh, make sure that they get enough power from this reactor to awake awaken the silurians and in the process he overloads the accelerator and generates a nuclear explosion and the silurians are like oh we don't want any part of that so let's go retreat into the caves and go back into hibernation until it's safe again which is just like i guess the silurians are always going to be terribly gullible (laughs) what do you think you think think yeah it's it's yeah (laughs) Uh, uh, water. Okay, so 
the brigadier, so the Salarians retreat, and they leave the doctor and everyone behind, and they lock them all in, and the brigadier is like, that's great, doctor, you totally work, you totally saved the day, now, um, you can turn off the reactor now, and the doctor's like, I can't, and the brigadier's like, what? He's like, well, I needed to make it look really convincing, so I actually did it, um, which, okay, um, <laughs> And and they're like and they're like well, we we can't get out because the elevators are down because apparently this is before the days of staircases um <laughs> so there's no <laughs> staircases for them to escape out of so the doctor basically has to jerry rig the the machine to like uh, shut down the reactor which he does I guess I don't really know how he does it doesn't really matter he saves the day he's the doctor yay um. <laughs> I mean, really, that's all, that's all that matters. And they, this place doesn't really have stairs, and they can't really get out, which I think is hilarious. Because um, they're like, the lift is broken, we can't leave. Apparently, not handicap accessible at all. <laughs> Probably get sued for that nowadays. But, you know, 1960s were a totally different time. And yes, we're in the 1960s, not the 1980s. I don't want to get emails about unit dating controversy, blah, 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 blah. You know about that, right? Yeah. No. Oh, God. Oh, it's like one of the big like arguments of Doctor Who fandom. Sorry if you know about this. You can just tune out for like a minute. But um, there's a thing where um, the it's hinted in this story that we're in kind of like the near future. Um, the story was broadcast in 1969, I think, maybe 1970. Um, probably 1970. Um, there's the implication that this is like, you know, mid-70s sort of like like near future sort of thing um well there's a problem because when sarah jane um in the story pyramids of mars sarah jane talks to one of the dudes because they're in 1920 and sarah jane says very proudly i'm from 1980 which doesn't make sense if you consider timelines so there's this big dating controversy as to when unit stories actually take place and it's one of those really great Doctor Who minutia conversations where people will totally discuss like when a story took place. Um, it's it's worth a read if you want to make your mind hurt. Because um, <laughs> people will just try and date stories, which I think is just you know whatever. It's 1970. Who cares? Sarah yeah. Well, the was, doctor the doctor also says that he's like thousands, thousands of, years, of years, old. years old in this. So <laughs> yeah, in episode six he's like, well, I'm thousands of years old, which I was like, no, you're not. Um. So. <laughs> um. So. Well, he his he, I guess I think his like technical wording like could be up for interpretation because yeah. he's like, like what does he say? He, he's like, uh, for the first time in my life, uh, I'm. I'm questioning myself or something like that. He's like, which is consider consider considerable amount of yeah. time that spans thousands of years. I'm like, well, that could mean like he's not thousands of years old. He's just Been there. lived in thousands of years within yeah. thousands of years or yeah. whatever because he's yeah. a time traveler. Get well, it? That's, ah. that's a whole different conversation. That is just. I don't know when to have that conversation because it's like trying to figure out how old the doctor is based on information because it doesn't need to ha no one cares like <laughs> the only people that care are fans and like I don't care that much <laughs> honestly well, I'm just like yeah it's the doctor he's yeah. like <laughs> he's 26 this time like yeah. that's all I care about you know true 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 yeah 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 Whatever. So much for that conversation. That conversation's been had. No podcast needed. Um. So, uh, so the Silurians all retreat back into hibernation, and the young Silurian is like, "I'm the leader. I will stay behind." Which at least, you know, 
dedication. He he earned it, so I guess he's being real dedicated. Um, so the young Silurian is like, I'm I'm gonna I'm not going back into hibernation. I'm just gonna wait out and die in the caves, which I think is actually really interesting because all the other Silurians are getting into hibernation, um, and the young Silurian has to stay behind to turn off the pa turn off the lights and lock the door and sit there. Um, but the doctor goes down into the caves again, dressed like a miner. When did he get this? I don't know. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I'm going down into the caves. I gotta put on my caves outfit. Um, and so he goes back into the caves, and he talks to the young Silurian. He's like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go back to sleep. And the young Silurian's like, I'm gonna kill you. And then the brigadier randomly shows up and guns down the Silurian, <laughs> which is was, at oh. this point when the way he just like randomly pops up, like I was surprised he was just, he wasn't just gonna be like eat it and turn the gun sideways, yeah, and just yeah. go to town <laughs> like something out of Pulp Fiction, like you know that scene. Yeah, like, totally. It just it totally feels like that. Like 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 there you go. Um, yeah, it's this. It's so weird that the brigadier just happened to be there to shoot down the Silurian and the doctor's like the doctor's like what are you doing why'd you do this and the Silur and the brigadier's like these guys are dangerous and the doctor's like well they're not really they're just scared which I think is the the, the temple again like we're, we're blazing through the story because it's really long but like all throughout the story there's all this discussion about like the Silurians are peaceful and the doctor just wants to me meditate a, a peace between the doctor the Silurians and the humans and like the brigadier as we're about to see like Brigadier doesn't care about that. Like, he just sees it as a threat, so he, like, deals with it like a soldier would. And the doctor's like, well, don't deal, don't do anything else with these caves. Don't send anyone back down here, because um, I want to examine them. And the brigadier's like, okay. So the doctor and Liz get in Bessie, and the doctor's like, I'm going to go get some equipment to go examine, um, uh, to go examine, but I need to go back to Unit HQ. So they, they leave and go to Unit HQ. Um, and while this is going on, the brigadier orders the caves destroyed. And we have this great moment where the doctor basically, uh, the Bessie has a has a problem, and the doctor and Liz have to pull to the side of the road, and the doctor like has to test Bessie, which shows John Pertwee's ability to fix cars, I guess. Um, <laughs> and there's this really phenomenal moment where he looks out over the the plains where these caves are, and he starts seeing explosions, and you realize that the Brigadier has totally blown up the Silurians, and the young Silurian, which managed to survive the gun strike, but only barely, you see it as it dies in these caves, as these caves are exploded. And um, I, know, I, I know we talked as soon as you finished, but were you surprised by that? Because I think it's so awesome as an ending. Yeah, it really is, and it is, um, it's actually surprising that, you know, later on, Russell T. Davies, like, did the whole Torchwood thing yeah. in, in, in Series 2, because, like, why wouldn't he just do Unit? Because they, obviously, they they do that sort of thing, because we're, we're seeing exactly what happened at the end of the Christmas Invasion, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, and so, I'm just, I find it odd that he went that route. Um, well, I think it's because the unit, the unit name, like we're we're talking about unit at the height of its powers. Like the unit for the first four, uh, for the not the first four for the, for this season, um, is you know it's particularly strong. But by the time that you get to something like the Green Death, which is like four seasons later, um, unit is a shadow of its former self, and it's very much more campy and and hokey, and it's not you know it's not the same unit. Um, I think that's why he went with Torchwood, because Torchwood was a blank slate, but no, I see exactly what you mean. This is totally like the end of Christmas Invasion, but like, instead of instead of Harriet Jones, it's the Brigadier, and like, you think you know the Brigadier, just like you think you know Harriet Jones, but like, the Brigadier does, like, this is a really dark move. It's a really dark ending to a really great story, and it's because of this ending that the Doctor, like, 
the doctor looks at this and like you basically end with the doctor staring in horror at what he's watching and yeah. the carnage that he was unable to prevent which you know rarely do you see the doctor lose and i love stories where the doctor lose you can't do it very often because he is the hero win. after yeah, all he, the doctor's, doctor's got to win but that's why i really like regeneration stories and it's rare to see a story end this way um, I think it's just so perfect and so dark. And it's because of this that the Doctor treats the Silurians the same way later on. Like, he is so repentant of everything that happens that Warriors of the Deep, like, again, Warriors of the Deep, like, it, it's a flawed story in a lot of ways. We'll talk about that later. But, like, even Warriors of the Deep, even the Series 5 story, Hungry Earth, Cold Blood, all of it is just about the Doctor trying to atone for this sin. And I think it's so interesting that it stays with him because it's such mm -hmm. a dark dark ending um, yeah yeah it's it's it, it's mind-blowing to me how they managed to get away with this because again uh, we mentioned it i mentioned it early on but like the doctor and unit you expect them to have this harmonious friendship and they do later on like in the green death where the doctor and unit are like pretty chummy and they're having a pretty good good time but like you see here that the unit and the doctor are so clearly not on the same page and that's what makes the unit stories really interesting that's what makes this story really interesting um and it's just it's just such a good ending and i can't stop talking about it or thinking yeah. about it even like you know months later since i've originally saw the story yeah it's 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 definitely a phenomenal ending mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. so okay so overall thoughts what do you think um overall thoughts pertwee is an odd doctor he's an awesome doctor but it watching um his episodes especially these early episodes with no tardis no i mean this had no sonic screwdriver mm -hmm. you can, you barely can tell that this is a, a Doctor Who story. Yes, um, it's, it's and a completely different uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's 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 definitely interesting. Um, also, I I can't help but note how ridiculous Pertwee looks next to all the soldiers yes. and stuff in his magician outfit. Yes, it's like why is anyone taking this guy seriously? I mean, look <laughs> at him. <laughs> um, that's so. I think that's really funny. Um, but but yeah, it, I mean, this was is a really well written episode too. Yeah. It's, it's, Overall, it's one of those things where um, I haven't seen Ambassadors of Death, um, which is the third story of this. Uh, this is season seven of the overall story. Um, but you've seen Spearhead from Space, and I've seen Spearhead from Space. The Spearhead from Space is one of my favorite all-time stories. I think it's just brilliant. It's and, really, really good. Yeah, and and this one, I mean, this one is. I always forget about it because I, I think like you're just like oh seven parts I don't want to deal with the seven part story but going back and watching this I was actually kind of dreading it but going through I was just like wow this is it's just so well done like mm -hmm. really well done um, and I know you haven't seen Inferno but Inferno is just incredible um, Inferno being the final story of this of this season and it really I I've heard season seven being a really great high watermark for the series and I totally agree I think this is just this is just a, a continuation of that, uh, except for the lizard music. Uh, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> oh I, man! I can't. I cannot tell you. Like we only mentioned it once, which is that season three, uh, not season three, that episode three cliffhanger. God, season three. That was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> this is season seven. Um, we only mentioned it once. Um, but every time a Silurian is in the scene, that kazoo music is playing, and it is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so there you go. Um, 
so yeah, that's the Silurians. Um, not Doctor Who and the Silurians, the Silurians. Let's 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 try and bring that back because yes, it's just it's, absolutely, it just needs to be called the Silurians because that's what it's about. Um, but yeah, really good. It's kind of shocking because I was dreading this because again we we're talking about like a seven part story, an eight part story, a seven part story, and next week we're talking about a six part story, and I was just like, I know we've talked about it off the air where we're just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a testament to the story that it's just it just it holds up and it holds up really well. Um, yeah. At least after next week, you know, like like what we're talking about, we're getting back to four part stories. Yeah. Oh, finally. Goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. And then we'll and then we'll be in like the. We'll get an Eccleston and a Tenant, and those will be like pretty much two-part stories now. Oh, gosh. Oh, reprieve, reprieve, reprieve. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's all we got to say about the Silurians. Um, but I do want to remind everybody that we're brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your order three months three months in advance with uh, monthly discounts up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off plus pre-order your collected editions and save 50% off ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping so thanks to DCB service uh, next week the genesis of the Daleks awesome story again we, we've been talking about it for a while but if you're going to watch one story uh, genesis of the Daleks is so good it's it's a Davros story, it's the origin story of the Daleks, and it is phenomenal. Great. We're starting on some Tom Baker, some really good Tom Baker. We got some Sarah Jane and some Harry. Um, Madman Terry Nation is back in some places, and we get to talk about um, the start of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, which I think is probably... If, uh, I love the Troughton era, uh, I love the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, and there's one more era that I really love. Um, so those are... It's a, oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm so excited. I've been re- wanting to rewatch this for a really long time. Yeah, I just, I mean, th- this is a tenement to, to, to this, uh, this, this serial is that, like, I literally just watched Genesis of the Daleks, like, what, a month ago? Yeah. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to watch it again, and I'm happy to do it. Like, I'm oh, excited for it, totally. so. I remember, I remember when I was blogging it, um, I, it was before I was, like, watching and blogging at the same time, like, blogging as I went, but I remember starting Genesis of the Daleks, um, I, would, I had it on my iPod, I've seen that story eight times and I'm not joking like eight times in the span of like a couple weeks and I oh god it's so good like it is so good and it's uh, it just tells you like how oh man we'll talk about it later but oh my goodness (laughs) oh it's so good and then if you want to watch some Davison we got Cast Revolva coming up and then we have Vengeance on Veros oh Cast Revolva I love Cast Revolva I don't care I I love love Davison alright I cannot wait to talk about Davison I've been wanting Alright, so uh, other stuff coming out this week from uh, Geek Entertainment. Uh, Geekin will have a new episode this week, of course. Geekin Extra this week will be our Book of the Month makeup episode from December, which is Ultimate Spider-Man Ultimate Collection Volume 1. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Movie Night Geek Show last week was Secret of Kells. This week is The Fifth Element. Hmm. Um, So that that should be fun to talk about. And uh, yeah, and then we've got um, we've got some, some some new stuff coming out. I think this week is also going to be the premiere of uh, uh, Geek Show Soundcheck um, that I'm doing with John Pavlich, so cool. that should be a lot of fun. And uh, if you're if you're a music fan, check that out. And then uh, we're also, this week on Geekin, we're going to be um, uh, sort of premiering the promo for our newest podcast that does not, it's all fresh blood. It's, a, it's, it's, it's new hosts, new everything. Um, so we're going to be talking about that on the, this week's Geekin. So definitely check that out. That's awesome. 
Yep. Um, where can people find you on the internet, Matt? Oh, well, I am twitter.com slash gungadin. Um, and if you can normally find me at uh, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Uh, this past week I reviewed Time Flight, and oh my god, was it awful. Um, <laughs> this week on Classical Gallifrey we're talking Robots of Death. Um, but it's not actually me doing it. I have a week off. Um, I have a co-blogger. My girlfriend Cassandra comes in and talks about some episodes. Um, and we have a couple of her coming up uh, soon. The first of this is Robots of Death, and I am jealous because Robots of Death is phenomenal. Uh, if you want to see great Tom Baker, go watch it. Um, but we're talking about Robots of Death. That should be up late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Um, and then, yeah, that's 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 where you can find me. All right. Um, and then, of course, you can find me, geekshowentertainment.com and uh, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. And uh, I don't have a blog, so you there's have that. A blog? No, I don't have a blog. You have, you have a website. That's fine. That's the same thing. I do have a website, yeah, so go do that. I'm going to be. Uh, is more reputable than blog, to be honest. Ho- hopefully, there's going to be uh, more articles and editorials and things yeah. um, from me on the site soon. Well, hopefully, might, from you as well. You. Yeah, because I, I, we had a. We had an interesting conversation this week about Tom Baker, and I have, I, I don't know, I, I know my con- Tom Baker opinion is controversial, and I was thinking about just uh, getting throwing it out there as one big article so that no one has to ask me about it anymore. And I already have the title, and the title will be Learning to Live Without the Scarf, um, which sounds harsh, but it's not, but also kind of is, but not. Um, <laughs> so that's, maybe, maybe I'll try, I'll try and get that up. Uh, maybe after this week of Tom Baker so we can talk about him before you hear uh, me railing and what makes him so imperfect. All right, then. <laughs> Something it's, to look forward to, guys. Pat, <laughs> I promise. I promise. I really like Tom Baker. S- sort of. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. We will uh, see you next week with Genesis of the Daleks. Sounds good. See you guys then. Bye. Bye.